it's such a shame not to know who's been volunteering for us for decades. And it's a shame that we have zero record and this, this person comes and we've no idea, but potentially he's done more work up than most of us at FIFA. We're just excited to be globalizing our volunteer community through a volunteer management solution that will ensure all volunteers remain connected to FIFA and that they are access to the same level of service no matter where they are in the world. Meet Anne Catherine, Senior Volunteer Manager at FIFA. Now, this is a podcast I've been looking forward to for a very long time. During this episode, AC gives us a great understanding of how she went from working with our good friend Andy Newman at the London Olympic Games to our now global position as Volunteer Manager at FIFA. AC also gives us an in-depth look into FIFA's Global Volunteer Management Program which has recently undergone a world-first change through technology and some learnings that other international federations or charity bodies could learn from their approach. We also get into the detail of how a global volunteer management solution aids the business from an administration point of view. Previously, many organisations like FIFA would leave the local event hosts up to their own devices to manage volunteers, often with basic systems like spreadsheets and Google Forms to do the job. What Anne Catherine's team are doing differently is delivering a global technology solution, allowing local event hosts to access their own volunteer management solution under the FIFA account to provide a consistency of experience for all events worldwide. Now, what I'm most excited about for this podcast is the enhanced experience for FIFA volunteers, empowering them to access all FIFA events worldwide under one volunteer profile. Wherever in the world you are, be it Costa Rica, Russia or Qatar, you'll be able to see every major FIFA event around the world and be able to apply and track your experience of future work under one central profile. This in turn provides a global database of volunteers to fill more positions, reducing time spent managing the programs around the world through technology, and quite simply engaging more effectively with the hundreds of thousands of volunteers that work for FIFA year-round. So let's get into it. We hope you enjoy the podcast. And Catherine, so great to have you on the Engage Volunteer Podcast. How are you over there in Zurich? I'm good, thank you. And you? Yeah, very good, thank you. Very good. Uh, You guys are... Extremely busy at the moment with lots on your plate. Give us a quick summary of all the events that you're looking after at the moment around the world. Yeah, no, at the moment, it's quite a busy time. We're having um, Russia, so beach soccer, World Cup in August. Beach soccer. And going straight into the FIFA Futsal World Cup in Lithuania in September. Then we do have a couple of months before we head to the FIFA Arab Cup for December. So those are the three events that are this year. But then next year, wow. we already have the under... 17 under 20 plus the World Cup. So the World Cup in Qatar is coming up very soon. So it's quite a big, a big chunk of our time. A beast of a, a beast of a schedule you've got ahead of you. And then for, for people listening, what's your current role there with FIFA and what do you look after? So I'm the senior volunteer manager at FIFA. So I basically look after all the different volunteer programs. So I'm kind of like the top line of the volunteer program. And then each of the events have their own volunteer manager where we work together to make sure we are in line with what FIFA would like to deliver, making sure that we are also looking at the local rules, how volunteers also work locally, et cetera. So I'm kind of just coordinating all of this and making sure that everyone is using the FIFA volunteer platform, which is managed by Rockspy. So 
yeah, that's pretty much a, a massive coordinating job and making sure that we are always aligned and volunteers have having the same volunteer journey yeah. uh, throughout all our different events. Consistency of experience for volunteers and therefore events through volunteers. It's an incredible journey that you're going through there in terms of centralizing this globally. It's a world first, in my opinion, and I'm sure you probably share the same. We'll get into, I'm really interested to get into the detail of how that will roll out globally and the challenges and the positives of doing a, a global centralized volunteer program. But before we dive into it, AC, I'm really keen to get into a bit about yourself and how you got into such a great role that you're playing at the moment in FIFA. So just t- talk to me a bit about your journey, perhaps from university and, and how you got to be where you are today. I actually studied communication and marketing at first in France, then moved to London for my master to actually study events, which you could only study events in the UK or uh, the US at the time. <laughs> that makes me sound super old, but <laughs> it was the key. Um, so I moved to London and actually stayed there where I was lucky enough to volunteer for Arsenal first and then met someone at Arsenal who said, oh, well, I know that you need to do an internship this year. There's this sports event company that is looking for an intern to organize a legacy conference on sports. Would you be interested? To be honest, at that point, I just wanted to find an internship and I thought that would be really cool to see a conference about mega events and how they actually do things. I met the CEO, uh, the then CEO uh, for London Youth Games, which is one of the biggest events in London. We have 100,000 kids participating and I started with them the, what we call the team leader program. So basically it's 10 10 team leaders looking after the event on operation, delivering the event. I was lucky enough that at the event, he offered me to be part of it. I actually did four years with them as a team leader. That was probably one of my best experiences. Um, yeah. I really loved it. What were you doing as a team leader? What was your, what was your <laughs> role? Everything and, Everything. and nothing <laughs> at the same time. Um, so like basically, you would be a team leader first, managing the whole, like managing all the volunteers for that event on a what we call qualifier day and then on finals week you would have your own assigned teams so I depending on the year I like the first year I looked after hospitality and uh, what we call the international athletes program so basically all the athletes that came on sites I was looking after the schedule having um, chaperones with all of them and then the year after I also looked at I added media onto it so I looked after the media team so yeah I kind of like jumped from like teams to teams Every single year I did a hospitality team though, which actually got me my first job at London 2012. So I met met Andy Andy Newman basically at that uh, event and I received like an award, like I think six months later or something like that. And we were at the event and he's like, oh, I'm sorry to say that. Like, I know it's going to sound dodgy, but like, don't we know each other? And I was like, oh yeah, you're Andy Newman from London 2012. He was like, okay, how do you know that first? Uh, <laughs> and I was like, well, we met at London. Um, so, and he's like, oh yeah, you have a really good memory. And I was like, well, kind of my job, I'm hospitality, so I better know who's coming. Yeah, um, wow, skills then, coming to the fore. And then he actually just said, oh, so what are you doing? We started chatting. At the time I was, um, I was temping because I was in between jobs and I'm kind of someone that cannot say uh, like stay without doing anything. Sure. So I was just temping in between sending CVs and things. And he said, just send me your CV. Like we have positions at the moment in the volunteer recruitment center for London 2012, if you're interested. I was like, yeah, let's see. 
you know how so many people kind of say that to you and then nothing happens so yeah. I was just like well, let me send the CV I mean I'm not losing anything so whatever um actually the next day he called me back at 9 a.m saying okay can you come to an interview tomorrow went to the interview started the Monday the next Monday are you <laughs> like, kidding me to be honest like, <laughs> it was super quick and then from then on I just kind of kept working on volunteer management I moved to I moved back after London 2012 in France to work for the Euro 2016 okay yeah uh, where I was lucky to not just be in one team. Uh, I was part of, again, the services team, because that's the team I'm part of now, uh, the services team. And I was kind of looking after team services. And I actually was lucky that my manager gave me projects in all of those teams. So I ended up right before Euro going across the whole of France, training volunteers um, across uh, the different The state-in volunteers at Euros, yep. Yeah. And then... From after Euro, I went back to freelancing because in between all of that, I did freelancing and stuff. Freelancing what? Freelancing volunteer management or freelancing like event production and broad skills? Um, I did a mix. So I freelance in different things. So I did volunteer management as a freelancer. So I did like um, aesthetics for that, so fencing. Um, And then also for like hospitality again, VIP management, because that's what I ended up being at for sure. Euro. I was a VIP yep. for the actual operation part of Euro. I was the VIP uh, venue manager for Bombay, yep. where I had about 30 volunteers that I looked after. Uh, and then I actually got my job at FIFA, but not in volunteer management first. I actually was guest operation for three and a half years before sure. I moved into the volunteer position. So when I did that first, I was, especially for the World Cup and all the Russia events, I was looking after the volunteers and training them, et cetera. Um, yeah. And I've, I've never gone like far from volunteer management. I, every single Why not? Like, every what year what I is it? Because you, you, you did the games in London and then Euros, you stayed in volunteers. As someone of your skill and sort of your, your attitude, I'm sure, would have been attractive to other areas and you could have got into other spaces. What is it that's kept you in volunteers? I guess the volunteers themselves. I mean, sure. like what you gain from them, to be honest, for me, I started as a volunteer. I started my career in sport as a volunteer. And I don't think I would be here if I hadn't started that way. And I think that what you gain from volunteers and what you can you can give to the volunteers is insane. Like there's so many things that you can do. And for me personally, London 2012, if, if the volunteers, that's something that I didn't mention. Like also I looked after the volunteers for the ceremonies during the games so after I finished recruitment I went straight into the ceremonies team and I was scheduled them train them then like etc the and to be honest if the volunteers hadn't been there for London 2012 I don't think I would have survived 2012 um it was tough I loved it that was probably like your first game I think you never forget them to be honest and yeah, especially at the Paralympics after already having done zero day off since May and you still have <laughs> the Paralympic to go through. The volunteers are they so helpful all the time, even if they don't necessarily, like some of them were super young. I mean, some of the volunteers were 18. They hadn't even worked before. It was their first kind of like proper working experience in the, like in the work environment, etc. And what they bring and the motivation they bring, their energies is what keeps you going for the rest of the event. And to me, I generally think that if we didn't have volunteers on, on our event, it would be very different, sure. very different. 
Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying completely. You said that you felt old before. You were, in fact, very young, I would say, for your position where you are now. What was your age when you joined FIFA initially? I just turned 31. Quite the journey for through your 20s to get to that point in your early 30s to be where you are now. And now to be looking after, in reality, one of the world's largest rollouts of volunteer engagement around the world with FIFA is a really special position to be in. So I'd really love to talk about what you are, what FIFA are doing with the globalized volunteer community. It's been a vision for some time. There's been some really influential people at FIFA, yourself included, to bring this to life. If I could summarize it in the the brief term, it would be how you can provide a consistent experience around the world for volunteers and then the training, the induction process, the scheduling, keeping that consistent for every event to ensure it is at the highest level that FIFA require from an international sporting body perspective compared to what every other sport around the world would be doing would be almost leaving each country or each event up to their own devices to run their own show. But from one event to the next, there will be an inconsistent experience, some having big drop-off numbers in volunteers, some not being trained to the proper level. What have I missed there in my summary? That's pretty correct. The, uh, the thing is, it's, that, it's what we used to do. Um, correct. We used to also have for each event a different, potentially a different system. Yep. It was managed by the actual country, the local federation or the local entity. But then a couple of years ago, basically, we realized that there was quite a few gaps in this. People were not having the same experience. If you were, if you were on a smaller events like futsal or beach soccer, the entity wouldn't necessarily take the opportunity to get a system. So everything was done through Excel, for example, or a Google form, which means that the volunteer doesn't have the right experience that FIFA would like. So when I joined the volunteer team back in 2019, I was given the task to find a platform that could basically have a FIFA community, but then have each other event under it. I'm lucky enough that it's not just me running those programs. I still have someone local actually managing it so yes I'm at the top of it and and kind of loads of things goes through me but I still have someone in Qatar managing the program same for New Zealand and Australia I'll have someone that will be doing this job in Russia or Lithuania that's exactly the same so basically back in 2019 we went on for an RFP and tried to look for the right fit and the right supplier for us to make sure that we could create this community and those events under it, making sure that, first of all, we were coming to all the local entity with a plan and telling them, here's the platform that you're going to use. Here's the training. Here's what the platform can do. Here's all the FIFA processes. So a volunteer comes in, register into the community. They can have access to all the FIFA events. Also, because we've realized that we've come back to countries where all of a sudden we no longer have a database. Sure. Uh, Big problem, like you starting from scratch again, it's six months, eight months of recruitment that doesn't need to happen. Exactly. And for example, this is already happening for India. We also have quite a lot of volunteers that travel the world. And it's always one of the issues that we face is people not knowing where to apply. So you would need to really sometimes dig for the information. And we were trying to just make sure that the volunteers were having kind of going for service excellence and saying, okay. There's one port of entry. You have access to everything FIFA. 
but also being able to create a community sense around the FIFA volunteers. So for that, we created a brand. We're now really trying to create content and more of a volunteer, like obviously we have volunteer values, but really kind of engage with our community. Yes. So it's a it's a slow process just because also we only started, we only launched the platform on the 5th of December 2020. So it's only been a bit more than six months. And to be honest, we already have 60,000 people on the on the platform. <laughs> yes, we had events Massive. and yes, we have Qatar coming up. So people are super interested, but we already have people from New Zealand, Australia registering and waiting for the 2023 Women's World Cup. We already have a lot of people from the US registering and saying, oh, just ahead of 26, I just want to be informed. So just registering now. I think you asked like what also kept me staying with volunteer management just going through the the volunteer inbox just is always so much fun because people who you have never met is already asking what can I do to help for 26 or 23 this is what I do normally but I would love to be a volunteer and showcase my city showcase my country people are super proud of volunteering for their own country and it's it's super like it's super important one thing that we're also trying with the platform is men or women work up senior competition I mean there's not just one event so it's not just the men's work up and then that's it you have qualifiers you have the final draw you have the test event and the idea is that those people who register once and wants to be a volunteer in Qatar could participate in all of them and they don't have to re-register every single time and be a new um, person <laughs> yeah yes completely and then also their information is kept not just first name last name email but what are their experience and also on the platform now this means we have a record of every single FIFA event they've already done but also making sure that potentially if we use them like not use is not the right word but if they've come already to volunteer for us then why not have them again because they know what we're doing but then sure. still giving the opportunity for people for people who've never volunteer to volunteer yeah completely and I think so you've spoken a bit there on the process side for the organisation and the administrators where you can structure. I know our team's working very hard together on being able to structure the, the permissions and the process that must be followed from a FIFA level that you went then empower the local organisers with that so that the bones are structured up for them to carry on with the journey from that point. I see that, that in itself is a reason to do this to provide consistency. The thing I'm really interested in is the volunteer in Costa Rica, how that individual who had such a great experience volunteering with football goes, hey, how do I get over to Qatar and use that same volunteer profile or passport effectively to then build their football experience in one place? That to me is the most special part of this is is making those volunteers feel part of the family compared to that person that may have done 12 events with you through Europe. <laughs> and each time they're reapplying as a new individual without necessarily that profile that you see. That to me is the most special part here of the, the global volunteer community that you're creating. No, and I think it's also doing this for, the, like we're, also, we're doing this for us, for sure. I mean, this is also making our life so much easier totally. and making sure yep. that that we're, we're delivering the same experience, but we're also doing this for the volunteers because this is really something that's been kind of at the back of our minds because volunteers mention it, but also it's such a shame not to know who's been volunteering for us for decades in some of yeah, the cases. Yeah, so true. And it's a shame that we have zero record and this this person comes and we've no idea, And but potentially he's done more work up than most of us at FIFA. 
And just to give you an example, there's one volunteer, Alvina, that has been volunteering for us since 2017. She's done at least one event every single year. She did Confederation Cup. She did the final draw. She did the World Cup in Russia. And then she even came to Poland for the under 20. To volunteer. Yes. She wanted to do the Russian World Cup, uh, the beach soccer. So she's actually already registered. And it's very likely that she can come depending on COVID situation. But she also wants to do the World Cup. I mean, just for her, that's already four events that we have zero record of. The only 100%. reason why we know is because, well, I know is because she was part of my team. So that's how yeah. I know that. And that, that's almost the problem, isn't it, with these, especially in large sports and events as well, is the turnover of people in your position, effectively. You're in a unique situation where you've got consistency and a roadmap of where you're going. But in particular for events, you move from one event to the next and that knowledge goes with you compared to retaining with the organization when it's all on spreadsheets. I think this is a sustainable solution for the future of the organization. It's also being able to have all this information, like like you said, having this information, knowing what we did for shifts or knowing how many people did we really get. Because one thing that everyone forgets is, yes, we do numbers on spreadsheet first. And yes, we go through planning phase, et cetera. But between the planning phase and the operational phase, there's always a gap. And sometimes this information gets lost. So you keep the planning numbers but you don't exactly fully keep the operational numbers. And after a couple of years, all this data gets erased anyway, because, well, the system closes down or the person is on the next event and the local entity closed down. So it's really for us to be able to keep that and try and create a community around it. And But not just the processes and the, the, the more like the working part, but what we're really trying to do right now is also create a community where We're going to give a voice to those volunteers and use, yes, use the platform, but also use FIFA in general to give a a voice to volunteers and get their story out there, which was something that sometimes we couldn't do because unless one of us particularly knew of volunteers, like this information goes away. So you don't know which other event they've done. You don't really know their background. The event is done, closed down, bye. For sure. Yeah, it's really exciting. The the journey that um, you're going on and what you're trying to create, I think, is there's a lot of valuable learnings for a lot of other sports and events around the world, charities. I mean, why couldn't Oxfam do the same thing, right? Like there's the, the, what, you, what you are doing is centralizing and ultimately reducing costs. Like you're not rebuying the same things every time and, and reinvesting. So it's really exciting. But uh, I'm also keen to um, talk to you about the upcoming World Cup. Qatar World Cup. Give us a, an idea of sort of where you're at at the moment and what the event's going to look like for volunteers. How many volunteers will you have? How many employees are involved with managing these volunteers? What does the picture look like for the FIFA World Cup? So for the FIFA World Cup, it's a year and a half before we start. Yeah, uh, so huge. we have actually a test event, which is the Arab Cup this year. So uh, this will take place November, December. We'll have about a bit less than 8,000 volunteers with this one. And then for the World Cup, it will be between 15,000 to 20,000 volunteers. The difference between any other World Cup is that we are what we call the host city volunteers and the FIFA volunteers will be a one group. So they all will be managed by a joint team, all going through the same journey with the FIFA platform. That's a massive change from a normal FIFA event. The reason being also it's one city compared to... Russia or next to US or New Zealand and Australia, which will be across 16 to 10 cities, depending on the actual World Cup. 
The idea for, for that is also for Qatar having about 25% of international volunteers, so giving them the opportunity to come to Qatar and, and experience Qatar. It's still a work in progress of, of how we're, we're doing this because unfortunately COVID happened and, and it's a bit more complicated to get international people anywhere at this moment. As, sure. But hopefully by next year, this will be a bit clearer. Yep. Uh, we're using Rostify and the good thing also about using the same system is that the team has been using it since Club World Cup, which we delivered early this year. Yes. So by the time we get to World Cup, it's not the first time you're using the system and kind of still trying to work through it. You've mm-hmm. already used it so many times and for so many events because we've used it for Club World Cup. We're currently having qualifiers, so they're doing they're also uh, using it for qualifiers. We will have the final draw. We will have our cup. So that's a lot of different events we're already using it for. So by, by World Cup, they're fully savvy within the platform. And I would say that Qatar is probably one of the more complex recruitment system that we've done, like not system, but um, processes in terms sure. of how do we allocate people everywhere. Yep. Uh, because within Rostify, as you know, there's so many automation that you can create. There's so many groups that you can create, which can then be allocated to roles, role offers, etc. And basically, Qatar has really tried to create a recruitment principle where everyone has a chance. So yes. it's not just you're giving your details and that's it. You're also giving statement about yourself. So choosing which statement corresponds to you the best, then that will allocate you to a certain group or et cetera. So we're really trying to kind of also go away from the always using the same volunteers, but giving new volunteers yeah. the opportunity to, to be on site and experience a World Cup and experience a FIFA event. What, what have you learned from that? Because uh, I've noticed the guys doing that. What have you learned from that from probably previous experiences you've had with volunteer? Because volunteer management can at times just be like, we need 1,500 people. That's, that's 1,500 lines in a spreadsheet. We'll just fill it compared to without much consideration as to those individuals and fill those roles and why they're motivated individually to get involved with the event. I guess you've probably seen both sides. What have you learned from this experience with Qatar where they're really sort of factoring in the volunteers' motivations into their applications? It's a bit different with Qatar because the dropout rate is still high because of the nature of the country and, mm-hmm. and et cetera. But you do realize that people are more engaged and people are actually quite happy to give more information about themselves than just saying, oh, um, I'm 26, uh, I'm an engineer. Yeah. So people are are finding the actual recruitment a bit more is consistent. We haven't tried this method yet for the smaller events, just because first of all, we need a lot less people. And second, because we're in the middle of a pandemic and it's really hard to find volunteers in some countries. Uh, yes, correct. So, yeah. so yeah. we're also not trying to phase out everyone that might not want to take the time. Because that doesn't mean they're going to be bad volunteers. It also is a shift from how we used to do volunteer recruitment and just giving plain details to now giving more, I guess, personal details in the sense of you're giving the recruitment team a sense of who you are versus just your CV kind of thing. Yeah, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? And I think the balance is the time that goes into reviewing that work to then filling rosters effectively, which is the objective of a volunteer management team. And that the fine balance in between is, is making sure that the volunteers' motivation is considered in between that. And I think too often in volunteer management, we're swayed the other way, where it's just about filling shifts, quite simply. And you're trying to find that balance at the moment 
in a country, firstly, that, that is not known for volunteering, right? It's a, it's a challenging place that you're going to for that. And that's why it's a, a big journey for you guys ahead. So for Qatar, what are the numbers you're looking at for a volunteer program, time span, how many people are employed? What does it look like as a full program? At the moment, we have about a bit less than 10 people within the team, but the team is going to grow where we have uh, the recruitment team. We have the team that is more in charge of the setup, uh, contact center, and then Another part of the team is more looking into like what we would call more the strategy. So, for example, making sure that we have the accreditation rights, making sure that all the information about partnership is correct, et cetera, et cetera. So it is like it's still never enough, to be honest, in events. I think we still haven't found the balance of how do we have enough people and how do we not dilute the information uh, enough either? But in the longer run, then we'll have people on venue. So it is like the team leaders, team. like you you played in London, those types of people who are responsible for overseeing volunteers and at their venue, these sorts of things. Correct. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we'll then go into training closer to the time. But the idea is to launch the recruitment program for the World Cup by the end of this year. We're working on the promotion and how are we going to do this soon? And then basically starting to interview early next year and start allocating roles mid next year. Because the thing is, compared to a normal workup, it is in December, November, December. And we don't want people, the idea also of, of having this platform is cutting down the recruitment time because you already have a lot of people interested within the platform. So yes, you still need promotion and you still want people that aren't in the platform to have this opportunity. But because we're consistently having the same processes, making sure that we're cutting down time between recruitment and role offer, which is also where you lose so many people. Sure. Because who knows what they're doing two years before an event? Like, For sure. No one. Yep. Yep. So are you actively reducing that time from recruitment through to scheduling in a way like if you're launching later this year would that have traditionally in the past been perhaps two years out is that what you're saying yes yeah we like most of the time it's been about two years out um, interesting kind of like the olympics or a bit less than that but generally it's a, a year and a half max that we start launching um, and now you're going what 12 months it, under 12 months? Um, we're not 100% sure yet when the sure. date of launch is going to yeah. be, uh, just because there's so many variables. Um, so we're hoping to be able to confirm that by the end of the summer. Yeah. Uh, but potentially it's cutting it down uh, and actually just a year or a bit under a year. But we're really looking at making sure that once you register, it's easier for you to kind of have a vision of where you could be. I mean, people, volunteers actually will anyway, even if it's two years in advance, they will apply. If like, especially like you can see like London was 270,000 people who applied and that was two yeah. years in advance. Yeah. But like, I think for Beijing, they're already at 300,000 people who are interested to do the, the Winter Olympics, even though it's only 20,000 people for winter games. So mm-hmm. that's going to be a lot of people that are not necessarily going to be able to volunteer. Mm-hmm. But the idea would be to also make sure that we manage to have more information for them. Because what we've also seen, and that's not just FIFA, it's, I, I guess, all of yeah. us, we, ha- we have a tendency to we start the recruitment and we get people in and we start interviewing. But then there's so many gaps between the moment you register, the moment you interview, the moment you interview in the mo- I mean, you get your role offer, then role offer, then scheduling. You have so many like blank Mm -hmm. moments where the volunteer is like, what is happening? Like, what am I supposed to do? Have I missed something? So we're trying to, 
we're trying to cut that out and and yeah. kind of make sure that we are having less time, but also creating content for them in between or creating communication points to make sure that it's not going to be just a, a one-off. How many volunteers are you expecting to apply and how many you will need? We will need between 15,000 to 20,000. And at the moment, registered for interest, not on our platform, but generally registered for interest is 350,000. Yep. So yeah, it's going to be a lot of people that unfortunately Humongous. will not be able to volunteer. Yeah, a luxury that probably a lot of people listening may not be afforded most times in volunteer management. So let's step through the process and let's say you launch or open applications in, in December. There would be no shifts or opportunities posted then I would presume that would simply be an expression of interest and then the first step would be interviews is that correct correct and then interviews is that an online interview or um or is that an in-person interview the idea would be to be able to do both but this will really depend on the pandemic again unfortunately there's loads of stuff that will depend on what can we do or what are we sure. what are we able to do understand yeah yeah all these things are a while away i appreciate that so then from from interviews successful candidates progress through from interviews what are the steps if you if you don't mind taking us through that and perhaps a, a rough timeline if you if you have it the idea would be that everyone goes to interview then we start allocating roles we then role offer over like pretty much around the summer of 2022 yep. and then we start scheduling like pretty much at the back of that and then people start getting trained October, November. So it's it's kind of like a shorter journey. Yeah. And again, the training, similar to interviews, ideally elements online for online training and then perhaps some physical in-person training, I would presume. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The idea would be to be able to do e-learning, in-person training. But again, it will depend. I mean, we're really hoping that in a year <laughs> we'll be able to be full, full face-to-face. Um, yeah. But obviously, we still have to keep it in the back of our mind. Um, yeah, I get it. To make sure that if anything happens, we're ready, uh, no matter what the situation is. Yeah, lovely. No worries. Well, look, uh, I'm conscious of your time, AC. Um, maybe if we just wrap it up, you've given us a great picture there of the global volunteer program that you're creating at FIFA, and then a good insight into the upcoming Qatar FIFA World Cup that you're busy planning with the team. Maybe just lastly, given your experience, what, what will be your number one tip for engaging with volunteers? I think it's giving them a voice. To me, I think this is something that I've been really passionate about and making sure that volunteers have a say in what we do, but also not just giving us feedback of what we did right or wrong, but making sure that we showcase the volunteers. And that's something that we're really going to try and do for the in the next 18 months is really being able to give a voice to also groups that might not have a voice normally, but through volunteering could have one. So also advocating for different causes that through volunteering, we could really help push at the front stage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really interesting. Yeah, there's so much scope here uh, and it's an exciting journey for people to keep an eye on. So AC, thank you so much for your time and look forward to speaking with you soon. Well, thank you for having me. (laughs) Good work. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Engage Volunteer Podcast with Anne Catherine. We hope you enjoyed it. If this is your first time listening, then welcome. Our podcast aims to highlight the ways in which organizations and individuals are engaging with their communities to connect them to events and causes they're passionate about, with new episodes released each Wednesday fortnight. The best way to support us is to click follow where you listen to your podcast and tell your friends about us. 
For our next episode, I'm really excited to be sharing the mic with our good friend and mentor, Andy Newman, currently the Director of Workforce and Operations for Birmingham Commonwealth Games 2022. Andy has an incredible history working alongside some of the world's biggest events, including London 2012, Tough Mudder and the Super Bowl. Drawing on his impressive experience, this episode takes a closer look at volunteer value. While most organizations focus on the financial contribution volunteers provide, we discuss the more intangible value, the experience, and how this separates a good event from a bad one. From building Tough Mudder's volunteer program to a 125,000 engaged volunteer database, to revolutionizing the way the Super Bowl engages the volunteers and community long after the event concludes, there is so much to gain from Andy's leadership. Mark your diaries, we hope to catch you then.